Hey. <laughs> oh, wow. What an honor to be here today. Like, I'm super excited. I might be covered in glitter, but this is glitter I will proudly wear because I got to be a part of the celebration of new life in Christ with all of you. And so I'm excited for that. I'm excited to be here. Thank you to Jamie for inviting me to be a part of this summer series. And, and I, I'm, I'm really honored and I'm humbled because I know where I came from. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to these stories. I'm listening to Matt's story and Kathleen's story, and I'm just like, wow, Lord, you are no respecter of person. And if what he's done in their lives, he's done in my life and he's done in so many of your lives. And so I've been able to celebrate baptism all day. I was at Buckhead Church this morning and we had, I think, five baptisms there today. And it's just been a party all day long. And I'm so overwhelmed um, by what God is doing. And so I'm grateful for this time and excited to dive into what I feel like God put on my heart to share with all of you today. As Jamie said, he just invited me. And he was just like, yeah, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm like, I could talk all day. Like, I could talk about anything. But I really prayed. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to share? And um, I'll be totally honest with you. You know, typically when you're preparing a message, you kind of, I have this outline that I go by. And I have this shape that it's supposed to take. And there's supposed to be this formal introduction of how you introduce what you want to talk about. But it wouldn't quite come together for me. And I think God was working on my perfectionism problem. Because I was like, Lord, I, 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 what, should I do this? Should I do that? And it wasn't quite coming together. But as I'm sitting here today and I'm listening to these stories, I'm listening to how God works things out in people's lives. And I got the opportunity to be at, at IO Daytona this past week and I'm watching 2,700 high schoolers pray for me. I am so tired. But there was 2,700 high schoolers down there, and I'm watching them celebrate Jesus, and I'm watching so many of them come to faith and, and just and join in with their friends and their peers and worshiping our great God. But I served in the care room, and in the care room was where the kids and the students came that maybe were having some emotional challenges. And so from my seat, I saw heaviness. I saw some concern, and I saw some burdens that these young people were carrying, and I was just, my heart was just so heavy. But I got an opportunity to, to pray with them, to connect with them, to encourage them in their faith. And it reminded me a lot of what I read in the scripture. There's a, a man in the Bible uh, that many of us are familiar with. His name is Paul. Paul was probably the greatest apostle that we find in our scriptures. And Paul had this passion for Jesus. He was the one who persecuted Christians all over. He wanted them gone. He wanted them destroyed. He wanted them just just mutilated, actually. He wanted them gone off the face of the earth because he thought that they were a front to, to his God. But Paul encountered Jesus in a way that totally transformed his life. And what that same drive, that same passion that he had to destroy these Jesus followers became his life's mission to encourage and to build up others in their faith. And so Paul had this enormous ministry and there's one particular time in his life where Paul, because of his drive, because of his passion, because of his endurance and his desire to really grow people in their faith, he was imprisoned in Rome. And while he was in prison, Paul did what a lot of people do when they're in prison. He wrote letters. 
He wrote letters to these people that he had gone to in this one particular uh, location. He wrote letters to the people in this place called Philippi. And he had spent so much time in Philippi just teaching God's word to these people. He was teaching them how to follow Jesus and this, this truth of this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he invested in them and he loved them like they were his own children. But then he finds himself imprisoned. And he had written several letters. He'd written three by this time. And this was his final letter to the children and to the Jesus followers in Philippi. And I remember as a kid, I used to like letters. You know, I probably give away my age, but I had pen pals when I was in school. I loved having a pen pal. I loved this, 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 um, this anticipation of what would my friend write back to me? What would they have to say? And I was just waiting, going to the mailbox every day, waiting for my next letter and just so excited about what it would tell. And you know, now you had AOL that showed up and kind of letter writing kind of got lost in the, in the sauce and, and they had AOL and now we've got email and you've got all these quick ways to get to people. But even now we're, exi- we're excited to see what somebody has to say next. One of my favorite apps right now is Marco Polo. Does anybody else in here know what Marco Polo is? I know. I was told I was an old lady because I use Marco Polo. I'm so sorry. But I love Marco Polo because I live a very busy life. So I get to just record my video and just wait for my friend to see it. And whenever they see it, they get to record a video back to me. But I cannot wait to see what they have to say in response. And the people in Philippi had the same feeling when they found out that there was a letter coming their way from Paul who was in prison. And you think about this, when you, when you look at this story in Philippians, Paul did not know whether he was going to get out of prison or not. He had no idea whether or not this would be the last words he would ever say to his friends and his loved ones and his fellow believers in Philippi. And so he takes great thought and time to write this letter. And it's a beautiful letter. I would encourage you to read this entire letter, letter to the Philippians. But we're going to hone in on one particular part that kind of stood out to me. And so as Paul is writing this letter, you think about, if I never say another word to these people, what do I want them to know? What do I want to leave them with? And so he starts this letter and it goes on and he talks about the joy and and the, the hope that he has in Christ. And he's encouraging these believers to follow Jesus with all of their heart and with all of their passion. And in Philippians chapter two, he starts off this, this encouragement to the people in Philippi. And he says this, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Imagine getting this letter and he's giving them this recap of what Jesus did and who Jesus was. And even as I just read it, it just excited me. 
Wow, this great Jesus is the savior of the world. And he humbled himself. He talked about the humility of Christ to lower himself for our salvation. And he started that by saying, in our relationships with one another, take on the same posture that Jesus had. And so after sharing this attitude of Christ and inviting us to adopt the same, Paul then shifts what, to, to what our response should be to what Christ did. And in verse 12, he says this, therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is this therefore? Therefore is like a connecting phrase. Okay, that was for free. Y'all can take that. That was awesome. You should say, hey, what is this therefore? This therefore is a connector between what we just read, what I just read to you, to what he's about to say. So he says, therefore, based on what I just read, My dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, he says, work out your own salvation. And that gave me pause. What do you mean, work out my own salvation? What does that mean? And I want to be clear, this is not talking about working for our salvation. That's not what Paul was talking about. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So it's not about working for our salvation. Actually, Ephesians 8 and 9 tells us that is for it is by grace we have been saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the free gift of God, not as a result of works so that no man can boast. So this is not working for our salvation, but this is about working out our salvation. This text is talking about what we do with the gift of salvation that we have received. It's about developing the gift of salvation that has been given to us. In other words, Paul is saying that we are to cultivate the gift of salvation through actively pursuing spiritual maturity. And this really comes to light for me right now as I was watching those baptism stories and listening to those baptism stories, this this pursuing spiritual maturity. How does that work out? An active pursuit requires intentionality. It requires intentionality. Spiritual maturity doesn't work itself out. We have to work it out. And that that phrase, work, work itself out, it's one of, it's the most annoying phrase I think I've ever heard in my life. What works itself out? Like a knot doesn't work itself out. If my shoelace gets tied in a knot, I don't just sit there like, well, it'll work itself out. (laughs) Shake my leg a little bit. No, I have to actually get down there, figure out where the kink is and work it out until it's smooth again. And so I I hate it when people say, oh, it'll work itself out. No, it really won't. There's something I have to do. There's some active pursuit and intentionality that I have to take in that. So Paul's saying that working itself out, it must be accomplished in this by two very vital components. He goes on and he says this, that we work out our soul salvation, our own salvation with fear and trembling. This got me too. With fear and trembling What does that look like? And I had to look that word fear up. I had to make sure I understood it correctly because even as we heard our sister Kathleen say, it's not about rule keeping. I don't want to be afraid of God. I don't want to just serve God because I'm afraid of him. But this word to fear means to take God seriously, to really take God seriously. The Amplified Bible expounds on fear and it says this. It says, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God 
or discredit the name of Christ. Using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. This, my dear brothers and sisters, is the workout. And hear me, I don't like the workout. It's never been my strong suit. I just don't like it. It hurts. It's painful. I got an unexpected workout this week in Daytona. I was in so much pain. Like I went to bed and I woke up the next morning like, oh my gosh, I looked at my circles. They went over like three times on my watch. I walked like 11,000 steps. It was so much. And it was an unintentional workout that I was not prepared for. But any workout is painful. It's going to hurt. But this is the workout. We must continually ask ourselves this question. Does the action or decision I'm about to make have the potential to dishonor God or discredit the name of Christ in any way? That's a real question. And I don't don't like to ask that question a lot of times. But God will bring or allow circumstances in our lives that will require us to work out our salvation. And it does that in order to do several things. It, It increases our reverence of him. And it also increases our obedience to him. I had a very funny, unexpected workout one day, and it was in a place that um, I guess I can be transparent about that I'm actually struggling in. I'm actually praying about this situation, but I have an addiction right now, and it's Starbucks. Yeah, I was, inter- I was never really much of a coffee drinker. I actually like a little coffee with my sugar, but that's another story. But I got into Starbucks. And somebody introduced the white mocha to me and I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so full of sugar. This is awesome. And it was great. And so one day I was on my way to work and um, this was a few years ago. I want to make sure I tell you that so you don't think I'm like this now. Anyway, um, so I'm on my way to work and there's a Starbucks on my route. And in this particular Starbucks, as you're driving to get to it, you come off the street and you drive up and the drive through is over here. So I have to turn left to get into the order lane. But there's also traffic coming this direction. Y'all following me? So I'm a rule keeper most of the time. And so I'm thinking if, the, if, if oncoming traffic needs to get by, that means I need to stay here if I can't get in the lane. So I could not get in the lane. And so I stayed here and I turned my signal on like all law-abiding citizens do. I turn on my turn signal. But some little sugar, she was coming the other direction. And she saw my turn signal, but she pulls up like she's going to turn. And she puts her turn signal on. I was like, oh, no. And I'm sitting there. And I looked at her, and she looked at me. And um, I said, and she looked at me. She said, and at that point, I totally forgot my salvation. And I was like, wait a minute. So I looked at her again. I was like, (laughs) and she said, nary a word was spoken, but we both knew what the other one was saying. And so then when the line moved, I'm trying to make my way and she cuts right into my spot. I was not saved at that moment. I took my car. I was 
furious. I took my car, y'all, this is so serious. I took my car and I drove right up to her door because she wasn't all the way in yet. I took my car and drove right up to her door. Like she literally could not get out her door without stepping on my car. I got out of my car and I walked to her window. And she looked at me. She said, see, she put the window down maybe about that much. I said, ma'am. Did you not see my turn signal? Well, you didn't turn, so I I just went ahead and got, ma'am, you see this line of people behind me? We were all here before you. I need you to back your car up, and I need you to get in the back of this line. And she looked at me, and I looked at her. She said, chick, chick, and she rolled her window up, and she looked the other way. I was like, no, she didn't. So then I saw a little bit of space, right? So I backed my car up and I inched my car right in front of her. And I got in there and when the cars moved, I got right in. And she knew not to look at me because I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, see, you're going to learn today. You're not going to cut me in my Starbucks line. I had been waiting in that line. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) Jesus showed up. (laughs) And he was like, really, April? (laughs) Is that how we do? And, I'm, and, I'm, and then this dialogue started happening. I'm like, but she cut. How's she going to cut me? She saw me. She see all these people behind me. And this is me talking to Jesus. She, got, she, she sees all these people. And he was like, April, is this how we represent ourselves? And then I, I, I look around and I see that outside of every store in that plaza, they were all out with their phones videoing me while I was sitting outside. And all of a sudden, I remembered I love Jesus. And all of a sudden, I remembered that I actually sing at the church up the street. All of a sudden, I remembered that sometimes I even preach at that church up the street. And it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, what if, what if she pops up in your church one day? And you up on the stage, how great is our God, sing with me. And she looks like, isn't that the Starbucks lady? could have been on CNN. I could have been on YouTube. Like they could have put me anywhere. All of these people were looking to see what this saved girl was going to do with the girl with the honk for Jesus sticker on the back of her car. What is she going to do as she done stepped out and got in somebody's face in Atlanta of all places? Like seriously, what is wrong with you? And then this dialogue happens and Jesus is like, that how, is that how you represent me? I, I, I won't ever see her again. You don't know that. You have no idea who this woman is, what I'm doing in her life, and how you have represented me. And then I started to feel bad. I was like, all right. All right, Lord, lesson learned. I won't do that anymore. And then the Holy Spirit was like, pay for her meal. I'm like, what? He said, pay for it. (laughs) Okay. So then I finally get up to the line and the lady, the cashier lady, she was like, girl, I saw what that girl did. I saw that. Oh my gosh. I can't believe she did that. I was like, I know, but I got to pay for her meal. She was like, what? I was like, just do it. Take my card. I got to pay for it. And I was just so overwhelmed. She could not believe it. She goes, she didn't even take my card. She went in. She said, y'all, she going to pay for that lady's meal. And I was like, I was so convicted. But that was my workout. That was God working in me something that needed to be cleaned out. My attitude that things had to go my way. That life is supposed to be fair. And when it's not fair, I can take it upon myself to make it fair. That was the workout for me. And it's funny. I love that story. 
Every time I go to Starbucks, I remember. I don't go to that one anymore, though. (laughs) I don't go to that one anymore. Somebody might recognize me. But for you, your workout may look different. It could be when your boss took credit for all the work you put in at your job on your assignment. And Holy Spirit said to you, you know what? Don't even report it. Don't even say anything about it. Just step back and let them shine. Really? Why? Why would I have to do that? Or maybe it was if somebody wronged you, a friend of yours wronged you, and they didn't apologize. And God said, let it go and go to that wedding anyway. Or go watch their kids anyway. Or you wanted to post something in response to something else somebody else posted. And that's, that's, a, that's a hard one for a lot of people. It's like you see this foolishness on social media and you just want to blast back. And Holy Spirit is like, nope, push pause. Don't do that. Even though they're supposed to be this and they're supposed to be that, I need you to represent me. This is about me and you. And this stuff is hard. That was hard. Paying for that lady's meal was hard. It was actually even painful. But I did it. Not because I wanted to do it. And I would wonder why, like, how in the world did I do that? Like, what, what did that, where did that come from? Where did, where did this willingness to just do this come from? Or better yet, you might be asking yourself, how could I ever do that? Like, April, that's so funny. I'm glad that's your story. But if she cuts me, I'm going to cut her back. Like, you could have a whole different feeling about how could I do that? April, how is this supposed to work out? And Paul answers that question. In verse 13, he says this. He says, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. The Amplified says it this way. It says, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. This is what this is about. We think that it's about us. We think that we need to have the willpower or the strength to obey and to walk out life that's God honoring. But that's not so. We can't do it in and of our own strength. It says God's power is already at work in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we acknowledge that it is God who is working in us and and we may not like how he's working. (laughs) Oftentimes we don't. We don't like the way he wants to work us out. I don't like personal trainers. Sorry if you're in here and you are one, but they like to do stuff that I don't want to do. No, just let me lift the five pounds. I'm good right here. Yep, right here, five pounds. And then all of a sudden, one day you show up and they've got the 20 pounds out. Wait a second. I'm not prepared for this. But they know that it's going to make you stronger. And our God knows the same thing. So we acknowledge that it is God's working in us. And and we may not like the workout, but Paul goes on to share a caution as we're doing this. When when he pulls out those 20-pound weights and you want to start complaining, this is what Paul says. He says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. It's like, really, Paul? Can you leave me alone now? And he's telling this to these believers in Philippi. He says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. And grumbling is is the the action or the the fact of complaining in a bad-tempered way. It refers to any negative emotional response to something that you don't like. And we all know what arguing is. Lord knows I do. 
but both hinder our obedience. When we argue with God, it hinders our obedience with him, to him. My dad used to say delayed obedience is disobedience. My dad was not a fan of this one, two, three thing. Now, if that's your parenting style, God bless you. My daddy was like, you're going to do it now. <laughs> you're going to do it the first time. And it, it, it cultivated in us an authority that he had to say what he wanted to say. And his expectation was that we're supposed to do it. Because if I get to negotiate it for when I'm ready, it was totally different. And Paul is teaching us the same thing. We are to work out this obedience in us. And why is Paul encouraging fellow believers to not grumble or argue? Verse 15, he says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. In a crooked and perverse generation, he desires us to be blameless and pure. A children of God who are faultless among whom you shine like stars in the world. Now notice, it doesn't say you will shine like stars. It says you shine like stars in the world. Christ's followers, we already shine because Christ is in us. We already shine. So how we live our lives can either illuminate or inhibit the light of Christ in us to the world. It's in our hands. And Paul is teaching us to live our lives in such a way that the dark world around us, the crooked and the perverse world around us is drawn to the light and not distracted by it. So I have a question for us all. And the question is this, does the life you live attract the world to Christ or distract the world from Christ? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 14, he said this, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a a, a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So how do we let our light shine? I'm sorry, did I fit? I didn't read it all. Okay, in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. As we respond to our workout in obedience, people see our response. I only imagine, I may never know, I probably won't ever know, how that lady behind me felt when she gets up there and realized that the lady that she wronged paid for her food. I wonder what that said to her. I wonder how that shifted that whole experience for her. I know how it shifted it for me. And I may never know, but it's not for me to know. It's for God to work out in me because he is doing a work in and around and through us. And so how do we let that light shine? Paul continues in verse 16. He says, by holding firm to the word of life. Dr. Tony Evans, he says this. He says, we reflect God's perspective on a watching world when we hold tight to the word through trust and obedience. Trust and obedience. This is our workout. It's not pleasurable all the time, but following Jesus is absolutely worth it. Why? It's not going to be easy, but Jesus being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, 
he made himself nothing by taking on the form of a servant, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow both in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. This is why we work it out. We work it out to bring glory to our Father in heaven. We go through the hard things to give glory to our Father in heaven. We, we, we go through, we deal with the heavy weight. We deal with the increased weight. Why? To bring glory to our Father in heaven. He is worth it. What he did for us should inspire us always to obey and to trust. So I don't know where you sit today. I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus, prayerfully you are, but if you're not, you're looking at me like, really? That sounds really hard. It really, really does. But hear me. Remember what Paul taught us. It is God who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. What he has in store for us is far and above anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. And so I want to encourage us all, if we're Jesus followers, as we're working out this thing with one another, in our personal lives, with our children, with our spouses, with our coworkers, allow God to do the work in us. Don't resist the work out, but dig into it and build who we are as we desire and as we pursue looking like Jesus. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, God wants to do something in your life that you can't imagine. And I'm not going to kid you and tell you it's going to be an easy life, but it will be well worth it because your heavenly father knows who he created you to be and he has nothing but the best in store for you if you would allow him to make in you as he is doing in all of us the man or the woman that he has called you to be for his good pleasure and for his glory would you pray with me father lord in heaven we bless you jesus we love you so much And just like Paul took it upon himself to make sure that he left these words with the people in Philippi, little did he know that thousands of years later, we would be sitting in this room hearing these very same words. And what that says to me is that just as important as they were then, they are just that important to us now. So I pray, Father God, that each and every one of us have received these words of encouragement to allow you to work in us and through us, that we would engage in this workout with you so that we can look like you, so that we can shine like stars in a perverse and crooked world. Lord God, that our light that shines would draw people to who you are, to your saving grace, to your majesty, to your love, to your mercy, and to your redemption, Lord God. So help us to work out our own salvation in fear and in reverence of who you are and what you've done. And we'll make sure, we'll do our very best, Lord God, to make sure that in everything we do and say, we do it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.